Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. It's another Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Walter Storholt here with David Dickens, President Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, based in Overland Park. You can find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. And be careful what you say when you come into the office, because we might just turn it into a question for the podcast. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, David, <laughs> you protect the innocent. You protect the identities of people that, of course, meet with you. But it's fun to hear some of the concerns that are sometimes brought up, not only from listeners as part of the show, but even from people that come into your office and they say, well, man, if if folks are asking these questions in person and I'm getting multiple ones that sound like this, we better cover it on the podcast so more people can benefit from this great information. And so that's what we've got today, right? An in-office question edition of the mailbag. That's exactly right. The last one actually is a is a listener question, but the first three were were right off the um, right across the desk, so to speak, in my office. And you know, you'd be you might not be surprised, Walter, but I think our listeners would be surprised how many times basically the same question comes up because. You know, not that much in life is original. It just, you know, it keeps going around and, and the same types of problems, opportunities happen to lots and lots of people. So these are things I hear fairly often and I thought they'd be helpful today. Perfect. I can't wait to dive into each of these questions. And you're absolutely right. The The answers end up being very different for people because of their circumstances. But the questions that get us to those answers aren't necessarily rocket science. And you're right. A lot of similarities between uh, the questions that people need to answer. The differences come in the answers. Uh, so let's get to our first one here. We'll, uh, we'll call this first question asker Tony just to give it a name. Tony says, I'm hesitant to pay off my house because I don't have many other tax deductions at this point, but I have $100,000 in the bank and I only owe 45000 on the house. So it's really tempting to just pay it off. What are your thoughts? Carrying a mortgage into retirement is a pretty common thread with certain of my clients. And it's awesome if you can enter retirement without a mortgage. But by that point, it's really, for most of, of my clients and discussions in my office, it's just an emotional thing. So for instance, with this, Tony's tax deduction, let's say that he has a 5% mortgage, which in this case he didn't have, but it's a pretty high rate these days uh, for anybody that's been in their house for 10 years or, or longer. So if, if you had a $45,000 mortgage and a 5% interest rate, where, you know your, your tax deduction is only a couple grand which is not much of a tax deduction. I think the better question in what Tony and I discussed was not about the $45,000 mortgage, but the how's the 100,000 invested? So if you have a mortgage and the interest is 3.5% and you can go buy a CD with interest rate of 4.5%, well, so you've got a 1.5% positive arbitrage, or in other words, you're making more than what you're spending on this mortgage. And maybe more importantly, you still got the hundred grand in the bank where if you have an emergency or some other reason why you need to go get a chunk of money, it's there. It's an earning asset. But if you put it, if you, if you take 45,000 out of the bank and pay off your mortgage, well, all of a sudden that $45,000, it's still an asset of yours, but now it's just in home equity, which is a lot harder to tap if you have a problem than just going to get money out of the bank. So let's say that his mortgage is 5% and he's only getting a 1.5% at his bank. 
Well, that's really not a mortgage problem. That's a banking problem. And so what I, what I often tell clients is your bank really doesn't have much of an incentive to raise the interest rates that they are paying you unless they're seeing a deposit outflow. That's a problem that they have. That's a personal problem if you ask me, because the money is either going into a money market account or into another bank. So if you're getting a crummy rate on your, from your bank, well, get a new bank or look at their other products. But one of the last things I would do is tell you to take a 45 grand out of the bank and pay off your mortgage when the smarter financial decision would be to just keep paying that off in your monthly mortgage payment. Mm, great question, Tony. Thanks for asking that when in the office with David and covering that. And you're right, I'm sure this is something you're encountering quite frequently as people try to figure out that housing part of their retirement plan. So really good one, Tony. Thanks for your question this week. Uh, how about, uh, we'll call this next question, ask Kate came into the office and talked to you about having a son who was 27 years old and just hasn't been able to land a legitimate job since he finished college four years ago. Uh, Kate says, we've been supporting him by helping him with car insurance, cell phone, health insurance, and a few other things. Uh, but Kate expressed to you that she's not going to be able to continue this when she retires in a couple of years. So how does she cut him off without screwing up his life? Is this a, <laughs> a more common conversation these days that people are having to have? You know, it is, but since my clientele tends to be 55 and older, it, it is less of a thing because at that point, you know, their kids are in their 30s and maybe even early 40s or so. So the, the conversation kind of went like this, and it's delicate, and I, you know, I'm not a trained psychologist, but it's possible that Kate is actually enabling her son right now with the support that she and her husband are giving him so that he doesn't have to. So, so there's not enough pressure on him, positive pressure. See, uh, you know, in this case, we're, we don't know whether, whether Kate's son has other difficulties, but a lot of times the more support you give to people, the less they are self-reliant. So that's certainly a discussion that I always try to crack open is, are you actually enabling this underperformance by your son or daughter because of the support you're giving him? Maybe it's time since this conversation ended up with, I'm a little concerned that I won't be able to do this in coming years. Well, awesome. That's a perfect time to have a frank discussion with your 27-year-old who's been looking for legitimate work for four years with a college degree explain that your retirement situation to him and set a wind down schedule that he agrees with. He wouldn't have to agree with it, but it'd be awesome if he did. And then stick to it. The sticking to it is the, is the tricky part. But as, as a beneficiary like this sees the support waning over the months and years, uh, it's really possible and probable that they are going to say, oh, I guess my life really is up to me and I've got to pull this thing together. I got to figure it out. So the conversation we had was set a wind down schedule, make this uh, son understand that you, that his living above his means for what he earns at his living, that's not really your problem. That's his problem. And he is very likely to be better off in the future by having less support 
or zero support than more support. Really just uh, time for a tough love conversation, right? Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, everybody doesn't see the world the way I do. Everybody doesn't see the world the way you do, Walter. And, yeah. and so having those conversations with your clients is tricky. Having them with your kids is tricky. But it seems to me as though everybody's in the best long run situation when you have those frank conversations and, and figure out a strategy together. But the best strategy is very likely not continuing that monthly support into the future ongoing. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a really great way to look at that conversation. It can be so hard when you have all of those emotional tie-ins. It's easy for us on the outside of a situation, David, to be like, ah, time for tough love, but harder to actually execute those conversations when you're the one that's emotionally involved in it and uh, and it's a loved one. And it, it, it that's broader than even just this sort of like, you know, cutting off the support conversation, right? That just goes for anything that's got that emotional tie-in and the financial component and trying to find that right that right thread, that right marriage of supporting someone and also needing to stand on their own and just fitting into that groove um, can be tough. And so that's a, it's a really good way to approach that. And like go like any any the reason you would go to any advisor, whether it's a, a marriage advisor or a relationship advisor or a financial advisor, is they can take that unemotional look at your situation and try to give you some really good advice that because you're emotionally involved in it, you're not going to give to yourself. So it can be, it can be super helpful to have that unbiased, unemotional um, set of eyes on your situation. And in this case, it was very helpful. So good stuff. Great question. Thanks again for posing that one, Kate. Let's get this question in from Mel. This is the last one that was an in-office question for David recently. And Mel said something to you along the lines of, hey, I've been trying to pay off my house early so that I don't have a mortgage when I retire later this year. But at this point, it looks like I'll still have payments for another 10 to 12 months after retirement. Should I just keep working until this is paid off? Yeah, so so this is kind of, you know, sort of related to the first question we had, which is, do I want to carry a mortgage into my retirement? In this case, it was only an extra year into his retirement. And so what I suggested that he do is go home and pull out the last mortgage statement he got from his mortgage company and take a look at his total payment. Let's just say it's um, 2000 or 2500 bucks or whatever your his mortgage payment is. Well, it is made up of four different components, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. And what I explained to him was, you're going to have the insurance payment, whether you have a mortgage or not. And you're going to have your taxes, whether you have a mortgage or not. The principal is just moving money from your, in, from your checking account into your home equity account. The only thing that he would be saving by paying this mortgage off before he retires is this little bit of interest he pays every month because he's at the end of what was a 30-year mortgage. And the mortgage balance is actually pretty small. So the interest payment that he was paying every month was a teeny tiny little amount. He la So the follow-up meeting was he, he laughed and said, <laughs> okay, I wouldn't benefit any, almost, I mean, it's pennies. It was, you know, a hundred bucks a month was the part of his big mortgage payment that he would save if he paid it off early. Oh, wow. So you know, there was just no reason to do it. There's no financial reason, but there was an emotional reason that he really wanted to, to enter retirement with no, with no mortgage payment. 
Well, sometimes the emotional reason overrides the financial reason, and that's okay too. But I've had other people in my office that still had five or six years to go. And that's when the answer is really don't take a big chunk out of your your financial assets to put it into your home equity account when that's money that you are going to have a hard time accessing if you do have some emergency or et cetera. You might even counterintuitively, you might even be better off refinancing. Let's say you have um, seven or eight or 10 years left on your mortgage. You might be better off financially refinancing that into a 30-year mortgage because it, in retirement, what you really want to know is, how do I get that payment to be as small as possible? And not, when can I pay it off? This is not financial advice for anybody who is listening to this. This is something to tuck inside your brain because everybody's situation is slightly different. But more times than not, paying off your mortgage out of your IRAs and your brokerage accounts makes less financial sense than continuing to make the payments during your retirement. Great points across the board. It really does seem like you get a lot of housing questions, David, when people come in to meet with you. I mean, it's it's a big asset, right? So, And I guess there's a lot of flexibility or it's the opposite. It's like completely inflexible for someone. So it has a big impact on the financial plan either way. It does. And everybody always thinks in their 30s or 40s, well, I'm going to pay off my house when I'm 55 or 58 or 60, and then I'm going to coast into retirement. And sometimes because they they up the size of their house, or maybe they lost their job and had to refi for two or three or four years in between, there are reasons, there are perfectly good reasons why people enter retirement with a mortgage. And what you'd really like to do is make the best financial decision and try to ignore the emotional tugs that you get at yourself and make a not good financial decision because you're making yourself feel better emotionally about it. Great way to capsulize that one. Fantastic. Uh, If you've got any questions similar to this and would like to meet with David, and again, these folks, the first three questions we've covered today, all asked to David in the office, part of the overall uh, complete planning review process. Uh, They call it the CPR process there at KC Financial Advisors, taking a full in-depth look at your financial situation and then putting together a plan to get you to and through retirement. And these are the kinds of questions that you begin to cover when you go through that process. So if you'd like to ask those questions that are on your mind and uncover questions that you didn't even know you needed to ask, pick up the phone, give David a call, set up that time to visit 913-317-1414 is the number, or you can go online to coveryourassetskc.com. Our last question for the episode is a listener question from Bill, and Bill says, all of my money is invested in a regional bank. I'm scared they'll collapse like others have recently, but I don't know where to move it where it'll be safe. I feel like I'm being punished for doing a good job saving a significant emergency fund and now don't know where to turn. Yeah, so I like this question. So this actually came in a little while ago with the whole um, Silicon Valley bank failure and then a couple of other bank failures. And the reason I like this question is I don't think we're done with regional bank failures. I think we're taking a little pause here. Regional banks have underwritten the vast majority of the commercial real estate loans in America. And that problem is on the tracks. It just hasn't hit yet. So in the next two or three or four years, we're going to have more of these and people need to know that their money, they want to know their money's safe. So uh, in this case, Bill, I don't know how much you have. You said all of your money, which 
That could be a lot or a little. I've had clients in my office who have 400 grand at a bank and they don't know that there are easy ways to have all of that insured. Uh, so here's here's a way to look at this bill. You have $250,000 of FDIC insurance per account, per owner, per category of account. So you can have way over a million dollars in the same bank. Let's say you're, you're married. You can have over a million bucks in the account in the bank and still have every penny insured. And I'm convinced personally that if you have money that's FDIC insured, or if it's in a credit union and it's NCUA insured, then you don't have to sweat the details because we, we, the government, we, the U S taxpayer, we have your back. Now there's a nuance between is FDIC insured? Is that really the U S taxpayer? Believe me in America, <laughs> we, we, the government are not going to let the FDIC go have a problem. So yes, I'm convinced that you are a hundred percent guaranteed to get that money back. If it's FDIC insured or NCUA insured, you and your spouse, could open up, let's say you have that 400 grand and sitting in, in a money market account and it's earning an okay rate, two, two and a half percent, whatever. You and your spouse can open up separate accounts and you can each have $250,000 worth of deposit insurance. You can get a CD uh, because that's a different category of ownership. Uh, you can open a joint account, which is a different category of ownership. And that joint account would have $500,000 so you could have you and you and your spouse could each have individual accounts and you could have a joint account and that's 250,000 of insurance plus $250,000 of insurance plus another 500,000 for your joint account. Let's say you have your IRA for some reason because you want it safe, I guess. You have an IRA CD. Well, that's a different type of account. So up to $250,000 of your IRA CD is also insured. And maybe you have a small business bill. Maybe you have a business account. Well, that's a different category also, and that's insured for $250,000. You have a lot of different ways to get creative without going to a different bank or credit union, which is another perfectly fine way to go about doing it, but it's a minor complication to have two different banking relationships. So, Bill, I would encourage you to talk to somebody like me or do a little bit of research, talk to your existing bank and say, hey, how do I get more deposit insurance without having to leave you? And the last thing they want <laughs> is to have you pull money out of their institution. So they're going to work pretty hard to get you a lot more deposit insurance than you otherwise have. Now, Bill, if I've misread the situation and you've got two or $3 million at the bank, well, you might have other problems too, uh, because there's probably way more productive places to have that money than sitting in a bank. And if that's the case, either become a really good do-it-yourselfer or contact a financial professional and get some good advice on what to do with that type of money. Great question, Bill. Thanks for, again, sending that one in to us. And if you have a question for David, you can always do that through the website. Submit that question at CoverYourAssetsKC.com, or you can even email David directly at ddickens at kcfa.com. 
dickens at kcfa.com. Happy to feature your question on the show if you'd like. But uh, as always, you can also keep all your questions private and one-on-one with David. No obligation to put it on the show. But always fun to throw questions out there so others can benefit and learn from what might be on your mind as well. So always enjoy that collaboration and that help from all our question askers today. Thanks for uh, all of the uh, assistance in coming up with these cool things. And uh, love tackling these types of episodes, David, because we get to cover so much ground. And uh, we certainly did that today. A lot of arenas in the financial world hit on today. So looking forward to our next episode with you, my friend. And until then, uh, take care. You enjoy your week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Walter. Enjoy, everybody. We'll see you next week right back here on Cover Your Assets, KC. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.